Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. <laughs> oh. That's funny, huh? Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we own the Lovett Company. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. That's right. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we wanted to share with you how we managed to run our business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we will talk about navigating the gray in life. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. We're coming to you live. From the house. And we have a special guest coming to us from her house. I'm excited to introduce you guys to Anaja Newsom. Anaja is one of our good friends. She... Um, also works in the field with us and Anaja we're so excited to have you and before we jump into asking you questions and kind of talking about what we're going to talk about today in the podcast I do want to give a actually we should talk about what we're going to talk about today in the podcast I guess that's good I mean we can do that <laughs> let's do that before I give your bio it's our podcast we can do whatever we want to we can do whatever but I guess do. since we have a guest um, we should be more formal. Yeah, we'll be a little more We're never more formal. formal. <laughs> <laughs> no, but definitely, though, let's share with them um, what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And then we'll jump into the introduction so that we can start to hear her voice. Yes. So we're excited to bring you Anaja. And Anaja is going to be talking about actually a ton of things. Um, but we are most excited to have her talk about the various forms of exercise and specifically exercise with minority populations most specifically with black women as you can see she is a black woman and so we're excited to bring her on our podcast and have her share some of her story and have her share her research and have her share actually she has a brand new company that we're really excited about and so we're going to have her share that with you as well um, but i do want to give you like the proper introduction and so i am going to um tell our get or our guests our listeners about our guest. Um, and so Anaja is an educator, she's an entrepreneur and a scholar with a decade of experience that spans higher education, community and corporate wellness programs, and coaching. Anaja has proven to be an ambassador for holistic approaches to functional fitness, competitive weightlifting, and nutrition. As a PhD candidate, she is particularly interested in the psychosocial determinants of exercise, including motivation and adherence and the method methodological and measurement aspects of exercise research and program evaluation. That's a mouthful. Anaja is the owner of AM Health and Fitness Consulting, LLC, 
a research and program evaluation firm that supports organizational assessment and program evaluation services for the educational and wellness sectors. She's committed to supporting research and developing educational content to inform the future of the fitness industry and its leaders. That is such a good bio. I'm so excited to have you with us and we're excited because this is our field, right? Yeah. And so even though I'm like on the, you excite me because you are like the exercise side and you're the analysis and the research <laughs> side. So you got both of us hooked right now. And this is just so exciting. So we definitely have questions for you. And really the first one is, we want our listeners to know about you. So talk to us a lot about your personal and career journey. What kind of roles do you fulfill in your life right now? Because we know what you do, but they don't know what you do. Um, and then what is your calling and like, what is your passion? Just tell us about you. Talk to us about Anaja. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm, I'm really, really excited. I'm pumped because I really have found my calling in equity and methodological issues that we have as it re re relates to exercise science and, and how we're doing research in that field. Um, as a practitioner and a scholar, um, I kind of sit in both lanes and, and I know that April, you can speak to this. Usually you have a practitioner or you have the researcher and to really just be involved in both and be able to inform both has been really eye-opening for me. Um, so I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk about that. Um, I, as you uh, mentioned, I, I've been in collegiate recreation, higher education for more than 10 years now. Um, I think I lost track when I hit 10 years because then after that, like who's counting anymore? Um, and so I've had the opportunity to work in, in collegiate recreation, primarily came up through the fitness and wellness space. And I've enjoyed watching students connect to fitness programs and and in this pursuit of this healthy lifestyle and and how we've been able to complement that with their academic success and um, so I've really enjoyed that. My experiences have also taken me outside of recreation um, in a collegiate standpoint, and I've worked in corporate and co commercial fitness, and I've even been able to work in hospital wellness. And, and so I've been able to see this, this field truly from a holistic standpoint. And I like to say from, you know, the, the preventative ma uh, medicine side of it, using exercise as this preventative tool, but then also on the other side of it, using exercise as a, as a medicine, you know, as a, um, a cure for a lot of the diseases, the preventable diseases that we see out there. Um, a lot of my research focuses on the, the mental connection, the mental health connection, and, and how we have been able to navigate exercise to improve anxiety and depression and, and things like that, specifically in college students. And so that's kind of where I tie back into that collegiate recreation. Um, personally, I am, I'm a, I'm a competitive weightlifter. I've been in sport my whole life. I was thrown into softball, um, at a young age and, you know, I, I've tried a lot of different sports. Didn't say I was necessarily good at all of them, but I, I do like to move. I like to be outside. I'm, I'm extremely competitive. I like to win. Um, and so I think that, my my both my personal and my career journey has been able to 
um, walk a parallel path. And I think that's something that a lot of individuals aren't able to say is that the thing that I, the things that I love and the things that I do for a living, they, they, they intersect in so many different ways. And, and I think that that has informed my practice. Um, so that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. Awesome. So I have a follow up to that. Um, and, and it could also be a clarification question. So did you know this is what you wanted to do growing up? I know that you said that there was a parallel between the personal side and kind of the professional side right now. But growing up, like Anaja, like you're like, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to be. And I know I want to do this. Is that how it played out? Um, tell us a little bit about how that worked out for you. So I, I, I don't know if you all can share, if you all share in this, but I didn't know collegiate recreation was a field growing up. What is that? I went to college and needed to make some money. And I was like, oh, I can work at the gym. Sure. Like sign me up for that. So um, growing up, you didn't really have the option to pursue sport and fitness and recreation as a um as a career, right? You're taught that you need to grow up to be a doctor, a lawyer, a, a dentist, a, an accountant, um, but you're not taught that, you know, teaching, teaching people about health and wellness and the importance of it could be a lucrative career. So um, I played for fun and then I kind of just fell into recreation. Actually, I tore my ACL for the second time playing softball. And I decided at that point, like, I should probably hang up my cleats for a little bit and find something else. And so I walked into the recreation center and took my first uh, indoor cycling class. Um, that was the only thing you can do because I couldn't run, couldn't jump. And so I had to pedal on a bike and I'm like, what is this? You know, that you can't get exercise from this. This isn't competition. This isn't, you know, this isn't um, any sort of like vigorous exercise. And then I took my first cycle class and I was, you know, proven wrong really quickly. And that's actually how I got into teaching group fitness classes um, when I was in college. So here's a follow up to the follow up. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I'm sure that our listeners are probably wondering as well. Um, when you decided to choose this career path, um, like how did your family respond to it? Like, how did you go home and say, you know, to whomever your guardians are and say, look, this is what I'm doing as a professional. Like, what was that like? Um, so here we are 10 plus years later, and I still don't think they know what I do. Um, <laughs> so, um, actually, my, my grandmother, funnier, funny thing, my, my, under, my bachelor's degree was in exercise science. Exercise and sports science was the, was the title of it. And my grandmother told people for the longest time that I was a, a, a sports doctor. And so I guess maybe she planted the seed early in my life that I needed to go get a, a terminal degree, but she called me a sports doctor. She told everyone that her granddaughter was a sports doctor. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Um, so I don't, I don't know that it was that my family, my parents really understood what I did. Um, they knew that there was athletics, they knew that there was sports, but they didn't know that it was a career field. Um, and so uh, I would say that it wasn't until recently that my mom finally, I'm not gonna say finally, but I educated her enough 
that like, hey, I'm, I'm making a living. I'm living out here on my own. I'm making ends meet. I'm not calling you every five seconds. So I have to be doing something right. And that's when she got on, got on board. Um, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but my mom had some health issues growing up that really was a catalyst for me to pursue this exercise behavior because it's not, it wasn't something that I saw growing up. I did not see my parents exercise. I, you know, I didn't see um, my mom get out and, you know, walk in the neighborhood until she started to have health issues. And fortunately I witnessed her turn it around. And, and, and now, you know, 20 years later, I'm still seeing my mom, you know, get up and exercise and it's been, it's been good. Good. That's awesome. I'm done with the follow up. I mean, I, I have follow up to follow up. I got you know you know me, but like I said, I'm trying to be on my best behavior. I know you are. You're doing and well. I I know that we have a, a somewhat of an outline because we pretty much kind of just go. Well, with it just it. struck me how similar your story is to Daryl's story. I know. That's why like, I said I got questions on athletes, questions. both torn. You know, knee what sports career ending knee injuries, you know, and it just strikes me how similar your stories are. And I just think that's really cool that you both ended up. I mean, we all ended up in some way in a college recreation department doing some sort of something. I'm no longer in that field per se, but I just think it's a really cool <laughs> parallel. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that we have for you, you know, we actually, the three of us have talked about this, um, before and we have for our listeners we actually there's a point where we were supposed to present together so we have a long-standing relationship you know before COVID-19 happened but so we have a good relationship and we've talked in the past about um about disparities in exercise and um and fitness and I think that that is really important because that is something that is I I hate to say right now but like quote unquote a hot topic but to be honest, this is something that we need to dive into, um, especially as we look at disparities in exercise and fitness in perceptions. And we know that there are disparities. We talk often just not necessarily about exercise, but the various like disparities and biases and prejudice. And we're really trying to dig into what stereotypes are out there to try to dismantle them, um, specifically in, in race. Um, ethnicity, gender, and kind of the intersection of all of those. And so something that we've talked about is like, what about the disparities? Like, where are the disparities that you see emerging in your research that you see just from observation, from being a participant, from being a coach? We know you're a coach, and I'm sure you'll talk a lot more about that. But just from your experience in the exercise and fitness industries, where are the disparities? Where do they lie specifically in terms of race, ethnicity, and gender and those intersectionalities? Like, where are you seeing? Where are you seeing the barriers to exercise and fitness? You know, that's I see it so much, and it's where do I start with that question? Is always like, how long do we have in this podcast? Because like, <laughs> there's so many of them. Um, I'll start here. I'll start by saying um, I, I did a, a search. I'm, I'm on Instagram and I, I like to, you know, go, go down the rabbit hole of uh, hashtags. And if you use the hashtag, 
I don't know, women in fitness, fitness women, fitness motivation. You have to scroll a lot before you see black women because the mm. hashtag women in fitness points to the, the white women dominant stereotype of what body image is, what fitness is about. And you actually have to use the hashtag black women in fitness in order to see people that look like me exercising and, 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 and enjoying, you know, powerlifting and, and weightlifting and strength training. Um, and, and so I'll start there that it's interesting that there has to be um, a specific search in order to pull up a specific uh, group of people. Um, and so, so you have this dominant narrative of what fitness looks like, who exercises and who doesn't. Um, and, and, and I think it's interesting to see kind of that disparity there. Um, one other interesting thing that I've found recently, more so in the research side of things, is uh, the purposes or the narrative behind why women specifically, because that's usually my target dem demographic um, is, is women of all ethnicities and races, but more specifically in this conversation, black women, we are written off as black women don't exercise because of their hair. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, is, I mean, yeah, 20 years ago, you know, maybe that was the narrative and it kind of just ended there. It's, you know, black women don't exercise because they don't want to sweat out their hair. And what we don't talk about is the, the, the picture of what exercise looks like, the picture of what athletic looks like. And so I think about looking at, um, athleisure clothing or, or I pull up, you know, your, and I'm not going to name any specific names, but you, you pull them up and you're like, is that supposed to fit me? You know, mm -hmm. am I supposed to exercise in that? Is that what, is that what's available? And then when you do see black women in these magazines or on these websites, it's usually in the plus size section. And I'm like, I don't really consider myself plus size. Um, I don't even consider myself overweight. And so why is it that, you know, a curvy black woman is all automatically associated with plus size or um, it, the, the term that I've used lately is othered. It's, it's not in the uh, popular culture. It's, it's something else. It's its own category. Um, so I'll start there and just kind of that's where that's where my interest has lied a, a lot lately is um, it, as far as disparities go. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Like when I know we talked before and I was struck by when you said that, I've never thought about that before that, of course, like white woman. So all of the clothing is catered to me. And so when you said that, that that was probably one of the major barriers to black women feeling comfortable to go and exercise is just the fact that there are not clothes that are made for them. There's not the narrative that like, yes, black women exercise too. And it's very normal. And there are good reasons to do it. Like it just struck me. And so I'm glad that you're talking about that because I think that body image is a big factor for a lot of people, regardless of 
race, regardless of gender. But I think it's something that we have to start dismantling. Um, yeah, I, I'm, that's powerful. So she said it, and I'm going to actually take this as a transition, the dismantling part. For me, this is a, a, a personal topic because I have five sisters <laughs> and my mom. So, um, you know, that I grew up and, and like you said, the stereotypes uh, or them feeling comfortable and participating in any type of recreational activity um, because it was like so varied in what the opportunities were. It's like you either had to be all this to be considered as working out or exercising or you had to be this, which is the non-active. And, and I think you spoke about it a little bit earlier about like how is exercise defined? You know, what is determined as exercise? So for me personally and for the listeners, we always like to leave them with something. Like if my sisters and my mom were listening, like what would you say to them to try to jumpstart that for them or encourage and motivate them to take this step to exercise and for them to feel comfortable in, you know, exercising? Um, so I'll talk a little bit about this and I'll tie it into some research that I'm doing with leisure constraints. Um, I will say this is, this is my mantra lately with a lot of different things in life, but start where you are with what you have. You do not have to have a gym membership. You do not have to have the matching sports bra and the leggings and that cost you $200. Like you don't need that. You can walk in your neighborhood and get 30 minutes of physical activity um, a day and start to see small changes. What I have noticed, especially with um, novice exercisers, people who have not exercised before, small changes are big motivators. So, so really, I would just say start. The second thing I would say is find another black woman in your neighborhood, in your church group, in your, you know, in your mommy group, whatever you have going on that can support your efforts. Check in with them. Accountability, um, even for me, and I've been, you know, I'm on a competitive spectrum and sometimes I need someone to be like, yeah, you're not tired. Go ahead and get that done. So accountability is, is huge, especially when you're talking about beginning, beginner weightlifter or beginner, beginner exercisers. Um, they, they need that, that accountability. Um, stay off social media. Stay, stay off social media. Because social media will always and forever convince you that you're not good enough, that you don't have enough, that what, whatever you're doing is just, you have to take it to another level. So if you can convince yourself to, to not buy into, you know, the, the hype and the stereotypes, because let me, let me tell you, it, it was not, it's not curated for us naturally. Um, I was telling my husband the other day um, that I needed to defriend some people um, on Instagram because it, it became too negative, too, um, it, it wasn't building me up. And so I would say, Daryl, if you can get your, your loved ones, your sisters, your mom to understand that they need social support, social support is the number one factor to exercise adherence and motivation um, in, in women of all ages, but specifically of the 35 to 55 year old uh, age range. So social support, emotional social support is the number one driver and motivator. Um, so 
it could be you calling them and checking in, you know, on a day-to-day basis and say, hey, did you get that 30-minute walk-in? When they start to see those small changes, it's going to encourage them to, to want to keep doing it and to want to, to do more. Um, so that, those would be the recommendations that I have. That's awesome. And I really like the way that you started out in the very first tip that you gave. I mean, I know my sisters, they like to look fly. So, (laughs) you know, the outfits and stuff and, you know, to buy into that is so easy to do when you're, like you said, you're doing those searches in Google or you're doing those searches on Instagram. And the first thing that you pop up and see are the white women wearing the matching outfits and the new shoes and stuff. And you feel like that's a part of being, you know, fit and exercising and working out and you feel like you need that. Um, So I I really like that you said, you know, start where you are um, and and whatever that looks like for you. So, yeah. One other thing I would add to that um, is that people undervalue the benefits of having a certified professional assisting you. Um, Hmm. And I see it a lot because that's my, that's my field, right? Like, That's what I do. That's how I make a living. But so many times, um, and I see it in the black community, they're like, oh, I saw this thing on Instagram or YouTube. And so I'm going to do it. And then, you know, it hurts. It doesn't work. It injures them. And then they're like, well, I can't work out because working out hurts. And I'm like, well, did you ask someone to build something for you? Um, did you ask someone to take a look at what your goals are, what your needs are, and and really curate something that's going to be individualized for you? And, you know, me, as a, I've been in this field for years, and I coach others, and I, I have people looking to me, and I still have a professional coach because I need someone to hold me accountable, to individualize, to see the things that I need to help me improve. And so I, I really would also recommend finding someone that you can trust, finding someone that is degreed, credentialed, whatever, that can support you in a way that is going to be Um, that's not going to injure you, that's not going to be harmful to you, um, and that can help promote your goals um, a lot faster. Hmm, Something went wrong. Awesome. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Google. Thanks, Google. (laughs) Oh, did it go wrong? (laughs) She don't know what she's talking about. No, no, actually she does. I think she's listening in. Oh, maybe she's listening. And she's like, if you think that you can do it without a coach, (laughs) and you think that you need all of that other stuff to do it, you Something wrong. went wrong. Something wrong. Something went wrong. <laughs> I love that you are talking about accountability because I think that that piece is so important. And to tie that into social media and what we see on social media, it's not hard to go in and to look at like you see all these fitness accounts and you see all these accounts of people selling like beach body. Wait, is that a I haven't seen so many. I think that's one. My favorite is the fit tea. The fit tea. I'm going to have to go see that one. Yeah, you drink a tea and and it, you know. They're talking about t-shirt. Yeah, I thought it was like, if you put on this t-shirt, it'll help you look fit. You'll be fit. (laughs) No, you drink a tea um, and it, it cleans you out or whatever. And then you're supposed to lose a bunch of weight. I bet you do. Well, what I'm like, well, what else did you think was going to happen? Like, I don't, 
that's that's called like science. I mean, I just don't, that's not new and innovative. And how about you just eat like you have some sense and move more and sit less and you get the same outcome. Yeah. I think that social media has made it easier for people to create, like there's so many creators, right? There's so much content creation. It's not a bad thing when people are credentialed, like you have credentials. So follow Anaja, right? But it's a, it's a bad thing when people come in and they're like, let me sell you a tea, <laughs> a fit tea, <laughs> right? And so I think it's just, you, I think that people should be very careful who they do follow on social media. Um, I will say that even your post today inspired me because you were like, I just didn't have it in me to get it. And I went to go get it. And I was like, dang it. Now I got to take a walk because Anaja took a walk. And now I got to go take a walk because she went and lifted. Exactly. I love it. And I follow people that I know are inspirational and motivating because just like I just, I talked about, in, you know, social media and Instagram and all, and I said, get off of it. But then also there's times where I open it up and I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. I thought I was tired, but maybe I can go for this walk for 30 minutes and then 30 minutes turns into an hour. And, and now you're like, I'm motivated to do more. So sometimes depending on how you have, you know, set up your social media and who you follow and who you're connected to, it also can serve a really good purpose of motivating. I think that's important. And I think that you are one of the people who's kind of leading these efforts and like putting out representative of like, it doesn't have to be all, you know, skinny white women who are size two who fit this narrative. And they honestly probably don't even work out because where do you get the energy if you're <laughs> not eating anything all day? But I, I just think it's important like that representation and to purport that on social media. So it's just cool to follow you. We're going to put your handle for Instagram at least. Cause I think that's probably the one that you use the most. We'll put that in this episode. So you all can go to show notes to follow Anaja. She's really fun to follow. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, this is really important. And um, I'm excited to kind of hear this because we did talk through a lot of these points, but this one, you shot back at us and... Go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> I know you're excited about this one. Go ahead. I'm excited about this one. I want to know, you know, you talk a little bit about changing the narrative of exercise. And I think that's super important. And I think you might have dove into it a little bit, but I want to hear you talk about changing that narrative from what we think of exercise and what we see about exercise on social media um, to what exercise actually is and how do we change that narrative? Yeah, I'll talk about it from my experience in in my in my household with my friends um, who are black women. A lot of times, exercise is seen as a punishment. It's uh, it's what you have to do because you ate pizza on the weekend. It's what you have to do because maybe you had two glasses of wine and then you have to go sweat it out in the morning. Exercise should be a celebration. Like it should be this, this exciting understanding of what your body is capable of doing. It, it supports you all day. When you get up and walk up the stairs, yeah, your knees might hurt a little bit, 
but it's carrying you up those stairs. It is getting you from point A to point B. And I just think that so many times we, so, so much, we talk about exercise as this, this, this punishment for, oh, I have to lose weight. That's what exercise is for. Um, and I'll talk about, you know, and it's really prevalent in the black community. I'll, I'll, I'll ask friends and family members, um, do you exercise? I don't need to lose weight. And I'm like, that's not the question that I asked. <laughs> I asked if you exercise. She's already skinny. She doesn't need to exercise. And I'm like, well, that, that's not the narrative that the exercise needs to carry with it. It's about being healthy. It's about, um, for me, it's about mental health. It's about clarity. It's about being productive with the rest of my day. I wake up in the morning and go for a run Ooh, cardio. I, my heart started to pound just from saying the word cardio. <laughs> um, uh, but I do, I get up and go ride my bike so that for the rest of the day, I'm alert and I'm productive and I, I can handle the other things that may be thrown my way because I, I exercise. It's not, oh, because I had a cupcake last night. I probably had three of them and guess what? I'm going to wake up and feel okay about it. Um, and, and so that's what I meant about changing this narrative behind exercise. When I was growing up, I was thin, I was tall, I was lanky, um, a little bit uncoordinated. And all I heard was, you need some meat on your bones. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, but okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from the South, so I'm given plate after plate after plate. Even after I eat dinner, they're like, you want some more? And I'm like, well, I haven't finished what's on my plate. And so it's, there's this narrative behind, you know, you need to be thick. You need to be voluptuous. You need to be curvy, big boned, all of the things. Well, then, you know, some, I had some health issues um, later on in life, my early 20s, mid 20s. And I gained about 65 pounds in the course of three years. I was not healthy. I was not, uh, you, you talk about body image. I was, I had all kinds of negative body image, you know, about myself. But my family was like, oh, you sure are eating well. Married life is treating you well. You sure are packing on the pounds. And I'm like, well, growing up, I was too thin. Now I'm too thick. What can, like, what do you, you know, what do you want from me? <laughs> and so you, you kind of have this, um, you know, you need to go exercise. Are you still exercising? I thought you, I thought you were exercising for a living. That's what, that's what I'm told. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with who I am and how I feel about myself and how healthy I am. And, you know, now that I have lost that weight again, they're like, oh, you really are getting small. Don't get too small. And I'm like, I just can't win. I will net like, I will never be good enough, you know? And, and that is the stereotype that we have in the black community. It's, it's, there's this weight centric, uh, fat phobia that is, is very prevalent in the black community. Um, and it's, it's not, uh, it's not a good thing and it doesn't set our, our young girls up for success and positive body image as they grow up. 
you know I'm listening to what you're saying and I actually took away I'm a I'm probably gonna use it as a hashtag exercise should be a celebration I like that mm-hmm. I, I ain't heard that but I like that exercise should be a celebration but I think that a lot of the things that you're talking about obviously I know the population that you work with um, and where your passion kind of aligns you and what your niche is but I think what you're saying is good across the spectrum for everybody because I have a lot of, you know, homeboys and friends and stuff. And when you were making, you know, the references that you were just now, I, like I leaned over on April because I'm like, dang, I'm guilty. Because when I see my homeboys, I'm like, hey, man, you've been eating good. And, and you know, I pat the belly. Um, and my best friend who is, who is just like my brother, I guess everybody's going to know who I'm talking about if they listen to previous episodes. But anyways, I remember when he was, you know, going through some weight, you know, weight challenges. I'll say challenges. And um, he had lost a lot of weight. And I saw him and I was like, hey, man, like your head looking real big right now. Like you looking, you you know, and when you were saying that, like that. Is like that's a learned behavior within our community. I'm just gonna be a hundred percent. That's a learned behavior within our within our um, community, and that's where I picked that up from. And like you said, how people make those references just in general, and how you gave us your you know your story of how they were used towards you. And as you were saying that, I was like, dang, I do the exact same thing. And you know, hearing you say that, I was like, wow, like within our community we do that and we are actually harming each other with the way that we talk to each other and the words that we're using towards each other um so i actually just took something away from that personally for me because i know i do it all the time um especially when i see him and when i see other people i mean i have a really good friend um that i did that to uh, about a year or so ago and he went on a fitness journey um and i mean he looks phenomenal right now and um and when i saw him about a year ago and and obviously i keep up with him um the first thing i said i was like oh man you done settled down i was like the wife taking care of you boy you living a good life that's what i told him and you know a year later he went on his fitness journey and um he changed his diet up and he was exercising and he shared his journey on his social media and i was keeping up with him and shooting texts um but like a year ago when I made that comment, like I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea of his circumstances, situations, if it was health related. And my initial response was that comment, you know. Um, so I'm glad you shared that. And I definitely wanted to make sure that I reiterated that that could go across the full spectrum, not just for black women, Um I think in the black community, because I know where I learned it from, but also everyone. Yeah, I'll I'll add to that, that thought, Daryl. I I do a lot of health coaching. So I, I, I help people break down their own barriers. And so for me, health coaching is not about writing your fitness program. It's not about counting your macros for you. It's about helping you understand and acknowledge whatever barrier that is keeping you in a behavior and then helping you work through that. And one of the things that I learned actually from working with a client, she said to me, um, you know, one of my challenges is that I'm being praised right now from my family for 
my weight loss. And she's like, I graduated with a PhD. I opened my own law firm. But the only thing that they seem to recognize that I'm doing well is that I'm losing weight. And she said the the thing that they don't know is that I'm not doing it the correct way. I am not losing weight because I'm exercising or because I'm, you know, eating healthy foods. I'm losing weight because I'm stressed out. I'm losing weight because I'm not eating. And she was like, so every time they congratulate me for losing another five or 10 pounds, I'm feeling terrible about myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that brought a lot of like, emotions to me because I'm like in the black community we do we harp a lot on oh you're not eating enough or you know why aren't you eating or you know why aren't you drinking or you know when are you going to get that baby weight off of you like those are the things that we hear and we see a lot um in in our communities and and I think that it is very harmful because we don't understand we don't know you know uh we don't know what someone is going through or what that that circumstances and I'm guilty of it you know sometimes I see a a family member a relative for the first time like girl you look good and what that insinuates is that you didn't look good before um and it's kind of like oh so when you saw me last Christmas I didn't look good because I had a couple of extra pounds on me and Mm -hmm. and so a lot of that stuff is is learned behavior and it's definitely something that I've become more aware of lately yeah that's so funny that's something that Daryl says I know (laughs) and it's more like I think it's more like dress like the way he dresses but they'll be like oh you look so sharp today Uh, or like yeah it'll be like what I didn't look sharp before every other day what you trying to say you know but it's the same principle it is it It is is. the same principle yeah it is so let's do this because i think that this is a great segue into her business yeah i Um, really do i i i want to because that that, the way that it's moving i feel like like i said we'd like to leave the people with something and Mm -hmm. i feel like what you provide in your business um is something that people can take away from whether it's, you know, reaching out to you after this for your services or anything that you may share about what you do. Yeah. Um, so you have a great blog. I mean, you write articles and I just, I want to, I want to make sure that we talk about that because we're excited, we're excited for it. So I want everybody to be excited for it. So I guess you can start off by telling us about the business Mm -hmm. and what it entails, um, and kind of give us a, a snapshot of what that looks like. I will say that I really appreciate this platform because April and Daryl, I love you too. You're great. Um, uh, but I, I, I've known April and I've talked with April a lot more. And I remember when I first started writing, um, I sent something to, to April and she sent it back and she's like, I just made a few edits. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you red pin my entire ass. <laughs> But it was, but it was kind of this catalyst. <laughs> it was, it was this catalyst to like, okay, I need to. And this and this was maybe like a year or so ago, because um, since then we've worked on some other things. But it was this catalyst for me, this to to really like hone in on my writing skills. And and so now, when you ask about what my calling is, my calling is truly to write. I love educating folks on what is what I'm passionate about. 
right now in my space, it's, it's coaching, it's um, exercise, it's getting people to understand the benefits of exercise, the benefits of eating healthy. And so uh, Coaching Kilos is the, the business that I have, and it is primarily centered on health coaching. So fitness and nutrition coaching, designing exercise programs. Um, I do individualized uh, nutrition programs where I help you understand what's going to work for you. Um, I, get, I get new clients and they're like, well, which type of diet do you ascribe to? And I say, the one you tell me you're going to stay on for longer than a week, <laughs> that's the one that I ascribe to. Um, so if it's keto, let's do it. If it's, you know, whatever, low carb, let's do it. But I need, I need it to be something that you can ascribe to. Um, so, so nutrition is, is super important. And I, and I say it's more important than the exercise part of it. Like I know we've spent all this time talking about exercise, but you can't out you can't out eat a uh, or outwork a bad diet. If you're not going to eat like you have some sense, <laughs> then you know you can do all the exercising in the world. Um, and so I I do fitness and nutrition programming. Um, I also do uh, remote ath- uh, weightlifting coaching. So I have some. I, I actually primarily only work with female athletes, um, and all of my athletes at this time are women of color. Because in my sport of weightlifting, I do not see a lot of people that look like me. Um, So I I actually just wrote a a blog about strength. In the Black community, strength is usually associated with some sort of uh, aggression, aggressive behavior. Um, And I I can, I'll tell a little bit of story and then I'll go back to my, my business. But my husband, who's my biggest fan, posted one of my videos on his Facebook page, probably the only post he's done in the last five years, um, because he's not on there often. And overwhelmingly, all of the comments were about how he better watch out. He better, he better be on his best behavior because I, and painted me as this aggressive wife, like, you better be careful because Anaja is going to kick your butt. And I'm like, why is it the fact that I am in a strength sport some, for some reason tied to being an aggressive wife? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, in the Black community, Black women don't do strength sports. Mm-hmm. If anything, we you know, do aerobic activity. We run and we bike. And that's it. We run track. But we don't pick up a barbell and throw a hundred kilos over our head and be like, look at me. Um, and so when I got into weightlifting about four years ago as an athlete, I was going to these competitions and I would look around and I'm like, am I in the wrong space? Like, am I not allowed here? Because I, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. Um, I think there's been two that I know of. And so if I am wrong, I'll own that. But I only know of two black female Olympians in our sport. Mm-hmm. And one was as recent as 2016. And the other one was about 20 years ago. Um, there's been a few women of color, but not black women. And so I'm like, okay, either I don't belong here or I need to do something to change this. And, and I chose the latter. Um, so I, I recruit black women. I recruit women of color um, to 
not only compete as an athlete, but like, cause you can only be an athlete in the sport for so long before you get burned out, but they need to be coaches. They need to be club owners. They need to be referees. They need to be ingrained in our sport. Um, and so that's a lot of what I do is I'm really promoting the sport to anyone that will listen. So I've, I've had weightlifting conversations with people who will never touch a barbell, but I really promote it to get black women to get women of color in general into our sport. Um, and, and I feel like that is my passion. That is my, my calling is to, is to educate, is to um, do research um, around this sport, around what motivates people to um, be athletes or not be athletes. Um, and so that's what my business is. And, and I've enjoyed it. I've done it kind of, you know, just very informally. And I decided that it's time to stop being informal about it. And if I, if I'm, if I want to see a change, then I need to be that change. Um, and so that's, that's what I started to do right around the time that the pandemic hit. So, um, and, and all competitions have been canceled. So there's that. Um, but you know, we're still working in the background to get that done. It's important too. Cause I think like, I mean, I have the quarantine, what they call the quarantine. <laughs> I might have gotten the quarantine. What? <laughs> There's probably a lot of people who might need some coaching. Let me ask you, do you do remote, like virtual online coaching? I do. Um, most of my business is actually online and remote. And that was pre-pandemic. I only have one client that is located here um, in the Tampa area. I, most of my clients, I you know, I've I have two athletes that are on the other side of the country and I have been able to set up my business to deliver their programs via mobile app. They send me their videos. Technology has really allowed me to span, um, expand, you know, more than what I would have done, you know, five years ago. So I meet with them one-on-one via, via zoom and I do video analysis of their, um, their lifts, whether it be weightlifting or uh, general fitness, uh, programming. We meet monthly to talk about what their goals are and more frequently if they need it. Um, I do macro counting for those that need that type of thing. For those that want to count macros and really eat according to, to a schedule, I help them design that. Um, I help people kind of, like I said, health coaching is a large, large part of my business. Is So that's less of me writing out a program for you a lot of people can do that on their own, but what they need is to understand that, okay, I have three children. I work two jobs and, you know, I volunteer here. I don't have time to exercise. Well, I sit down and I help them carve out one hour a day to put it on their calendar or, you know, I help them design things that they can do at home that they don't have to go to a gym. They don't have to have a gym membership. Um, so that's a lot of what I what I have been doing and what I enjoy doing. That's awesome. That is. That is really awesome. It's exciting. And just seeing your website and seeing, I mean, just your presence on Instagram inspires me. And I'm not a weightlifter and I wish I was. <laughs> you, you too can be a But I too can be a weightlifter. <laughs> you at least inspired me to like get out and walk a little bit today. So mission accomplished Good. today. <laughs> I just watch. I'm just, I just, (laughs) I just, when you be post, one of the things that I admire um, about you and like, I'm not saying this just because you're on here, but 
like you're talking about everything like that you do. But when I follow you on the social media, like you about your business, like you're mm-hmm. an action person. Like if anybody don't take anything away from this is like you heard her talk all about it. But if you go follow her on social media, she is about it. And I just watch. I just be like, let me see what she's doing today. I'm like, ooh, we. All right, next. That ain't for me. <laughs> but 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 you know what? I come right back. I'm like, let me see what she's doing today. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, she just did that clean jerk. Uh uh-uh, uh, that ain't for me. But um, it's impressive. Though. It is. I'm telling you, that's one of the things. I think that's one of the most like. Yeah. Like she's think, about it. Yeah. You know, a lot and of people you, talk yeah. about it, but she's about it. And you really break down that barrier of like, I don't feel like I can do this. Like, I don't even know if you were, if you would talk to me about what a clean and jerk is, I have no idea what that is, but you like break down that barrier of like, you actually post a video of like, this is what it is. I know. And that's the for free stuff. That's I just know. inspiring. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just, we, um, well, it's, this has been a really good hour podcast. Yeah. No, this is good. Yeah, this has been really good. We we don't want to leave without getting the information though. So no, let's yeah. let's do that now and then um and then we'll do the, the Yeah, business. and we will post all of this in the episode description for those of you who are listening on Spotify, iHeartRadio iTunes, wherever you listen from. Um, so just look in the episode description. We'll list all of what Anaja is about to say, but tell us where can we find you on Instagram? What is your website? How do we, how do people follow you and get in contact with you? You can follow, I'm an open book. So my website is uh, www.coachingkilos. Uh, coaching is C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G-K-I-L-O-S dot com coaching kilos at coaching kilos on instagram is my business page that's where as april said i give away all the free stuff um so i post uh my my most recent um i guess thing is the daily stretch where i try to give people one thing that they can do one actionable item that doesn't require money that they can do to become healthier and sometimes it's exercise sometimes it's relationships sometimes it's food whatever it is Um, But then if you want to follow me personally and see all the crazy shenanigans that I do between 5 a.m. and 10 p.m., you can follow me at Anaja Maria on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook, but you're just going to see whatever I post on Instagram or Facebook. I don't (laughs) really get on there much. Um, So that's a little bit about me. I'm an open book. I love to answer questions and I love dialoguing with people. So if you want to reach out, if you have a question, I'm I'm. I'm a resource for people. That's what I, that's my purpose in life. That's awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to drop this nugget that you shared. Start with where you're at. Mm-hmm. I want to drop that. I want to yeah. reiterate that, you know, start with where you're at and that looks different. Start with where you are. Yeah. That starts. What you have. Exactly what she just said. <laughs> I, I said mine a little bit more. Um, <laughs> Unarticulate is, is, is unarticulate a word? No. But yes, inarticulate. it is. Because I, I just said it on you the podcast. I said you it on the it. podcast, so it's a word. Yeah. I said it unarticulately. 
Um, no. Can I, can I give two references for folks to, to read? And I'll, I'll share this with you all if you, if you want to drop them in the show notes. Two articles, very good reads that I have found so insightful and kind of like jaw-dropping. One is by Susan Kahn. It's called Coming on Strong. Um, and it's a book about the historical context of women in sport. And it talks about um, just how they have progressed from the early Olympics to women in strength sports to the NCAA and a lot of different organizations that have tried to promote women in sport. The second one is Amy Farrell's uh, Fat Shame. And it looks at how American women have linked exercise and physical activity to social status. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And I think that it's very interesting. It gets into this narrative about how um, middle-class white women attrib- uh, attributed exercise and physical activity to um, being civil um, and respectability politics. And um, it talks about how Black women were left out of that conversation. Um, and thus, there was never this uh, kind of connection between Black women and their pursuit of exercise and physical activity um, and then the rest of American society. So those would be two resources that I, I would give to to your listeners. That's awesome. Fat shame. Fat shame. Fat shame. Sounds like I, that's my next book. <laughs> <laughs> that one is an article. Um, Coming on strong is a book. Ooh, looking that up. Cool. Great. All right. This has been. This has been great. Oh my goodness. We yes. can just stay on here and keep going. I know. <laughs> but we want to be respectful of the listeners and respectful yeah. of your time. Um, and, and we'll have to get you back. Yes, you know, this has been good. We'll follow up. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I have. What about you? That's all I got. All right. Until the next time. Bye. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on any podcast platform and make sure that you rate us. Also, we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch our antics. And we also provide closed captioning. And if you want to know more about us, go check us out on our website at successinblackandwhite.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on social media. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all platforms.